Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. Jordan Oppett here again from TVNZ Sport, filling in for Frankie Mackay. Another big week in the wonderful world of Canterbury sport, headlined, in my opinion, by the now top-of-the-table mainland tactics. They're now three on the trot, having won back-to-back games in Christchurch earlier this week against the Pulse and the Magic. The Magic, they won by a whopping 17 goals. So do we dare to dream Christchurch? Could this be the year they take out the Premiership? They're the favourites right now, and coach Marianne Delaney-Hoshik believes they have a roster, a new look one at that with three new signings that are capable of doing it. So who better to chat to than new recruit Greer Sinclair, who's looking very at home in Reed? Right, well, Greer, thanks so much for joining us. Firstly, how have you found the move south? Yeah, I've loved coming down to Christchurch. I never thought I'd be in the South Island, but... um. Yeah, it's been a cool move. I love Christchurch so far. The most buddies are cool and the team is great. So, yeah. You, you've come at, like, what has been a very cold summer. The, like, the last few days have been freezing. How are you finding it? I know, the cold. I'm, I'm not a fan of the cold. However, <laughs> the summer compared to Auckland has actually been really good. So I'm counting my blessings. <laughs> that is fair. Um, are you feeling quite set, you know, a few rounds in now, are you feeling quite settled with the tactics? Yes, um, compared to my last year, having been all over the place, it's actually been really nice to have consistent games with the tactics. Um, we're still like getting all our structures and um, combos and everything sorted, but yeah, I feel like we're starting to build each week and we're improving each week and our connections and the defensive end and the attacking end are coming together really nicely. So yeah, I'm looking forward to round two and three and seeing how far we can actually can go. You sort of just touched on it, but can you just talk us, because this is obviously your first season in Red, so can you just talk us a bit through your netball journey, I guess, and then the decision you made to move to Christchurch? Yeah, of course. So I I started out as a training partner with the Magic, actually, and then moved back to Auckland and um, was a training partner with the Stars, but then got brought up because of an injury, so was fully contracted for that season. Then COVID hit us and everything kind of went crazy. Um, So I ended up being pretty much fully with the stars, but um, because of the COVID replacement protocols they put in place, I could actually go and play for other ANZ teams. So ended up playing for Magic and Mystics um, and stars that season. So I was a bit all over the place, um, not knowing what team I was going to be with week in and week out. Um, but then I got contacted by um, Matt Marianne, our coach, our head coach with the tactics, and she kind of expressed her interest, and I was really um, excited to get like an opportunity uh, to play, be fully contracted in the team, and to be playing with Karen and Jane. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I was and just so, about yeah, to say that. That, yeah, I, I was just about to say that. Sorry for cutting you off there. Um, you've come no down to work, like 
work with a team in a defence circle that's one of the best in the world. What's it like working with Carden and Jane? Yeah, I'm pretty lucky. Um, they're just like a book of knowledge. They just have so much um, experience on the court and know certain like plays and structures. They'll just kind of like to me, instead of doing this, why don't you do this? And I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, maybe I do try that. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm pretty lucky to be able to be out there and um, learn off them each week. Confidence also after the past couple of games, back-to-back wins, must be quite high in the tactics at the moment. I mean, how uh, you're a side that has traditionally, I mean, before you arrived, kind of struggled to close out games, have always got a good lead, and then that last quarter's where things have just kind of tapered off a bit. So to finish on such a high uh, against the Magic on Monday night, is confidence high in camp? Hey, look, we're stoked to get um, the win and to build on it. As you said, we were um, really um, wanting to push through and like actually take these leads to a new level. But, um, yeah, I think we just take each game as it comes. We kind of want to reset and start again for stars because we know we're going to come out fighting. They had a really good game against the Mystics. So starting fresh and just going back to our basics. We'll get to that game against the Stars shortly, the top of the table clash on Sunday. But from watching the matches over the last few games, it really looks like the team is starting to gel because, as we've established, you're one of the newbies and there are a couple this season. Is that how it feels on court too, that things are finally coming to fruition with your combinations? Yeah, completely. We have a lot of experience um, throughout the team. We've got Aaliyah, who's super accurate shooter, um, teeps. We've got a huge, huge bunch of silver fans in the team and international um, players like Laura Malcolm. So we've got a lot of experience that can um, really lift our team. I think we've been together now for three or four months, so we're starting to actually build those connections and improve from it. And it's kind of showing in our game as well. So I feel like now we're just wanting to like push ahead and try and get as many um, goals and wins as we can. Has there been much talk about could this be the season for a premiership, uh, Greer? Because we've come blimmin' close here a few times before in recent <laughs> years. So is that is that ever – I mean, do you guys talk about it? Absolutely. We're here to win it this year. We're going to take yeah. it out. <laughs> But is that important that you guys are keeping, because a lot of teams will say, oh, you know, we're just one game at a time. But the reality is you're all here to win a premiership, right? Absolutely. If they tell you otherwise, they're, joking. they're lying. <laughs> um, no, we've, we've definitely talked about it. Um, it's always going to be there in the back of our heads as well that you want to um, win the Andrew Premiership. But I think it's really important to just take it game in and game out because if you look at the end result, you're never going to really get there. So, yeah, we'll just focus on each game as it comes. Um, but, yeah, keep building. And obviously, yeah, we want to take out that trophy and bring it home. How good. Um, and as someone who's been in a few different camps, career, what do you think it is that is different in the tactics? Um, we have a really great team culture. We actually want to hang out with each other off court as well, which is nice. So, um, yeah, we've got a really good connection in the team and then also having so much experience that we do um, at a really international level um, helps a lot. Uh, we have huge voices in the team like Jane Watson. She, I think you guys can hear from Thailand. She just talks all game. So having that um, that experience and leadership out on court is, is super helpful, to, especially to me as a young one.
And we kind of touched on it before, but big game uh, this weekend, a top-of-the-table clash against the Stars. How is the team preparing for that? And I guess, what are you expecting from that? Because while you guys have made massive strides since you last played them, no doubt so have they. Yes, completely. Um, yeah, we just, we've gone back after our two wins in this doubleheader. We've reset and we know that they're going to come back fighting. We know when we first played them, I think it's our first game, they've, they've changed a lot. So, yeah, we're just going to start fresh against them um, and just re-look at our own strengths and see what we can actually um, do with them and like focus on us really as well. And just lastly, I love asking all athletes this question, but what is your pre-match or pre-game ritual? Do you have anything that you do that's sort of become routine or, yeah, a ritual now? <laughs> yeah, okay. So I don't actually have like a ritual. Like I don't need to wear my favourite pair of undies or anything, but <laughs> I do like to have a cold shower before I play. That's something um, Anna Harrison taught me. And then I love my the food that I eat before game. I have... Um, peanut butter, banana, and a drizzle of honey on toast. <laughs> oh, how good. How yeah, good. Yum. I love that. <laughs> I always find that such an interesting one, and I love your, yours would have to be one of the most unique I've heard. So that's brilliant. Thanks so much for joining us, Greer, and um, all the very best this weekend for what will be an epic clash. Carry on my son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your Well, 2023 is a big year for rugby. Of course, we've got a World Cup, but before then, we've got Super Rugby. We've just had Super Rugby Opiki, which must do one if you didn't already know. Uh, but earlier this week, former NZR CEO David Moffat caught up with staff on Afternoons with Staffy this week to get his thoughts on the state of the game right now. Should New Zealand rugby fans be concerned? We've had a few texts and calls into the show saying we've got depth. If players want to go, they can go and we'll, we'll fill it. Can that keep going? Is there a concern? Is this good for New Zealand rugby, what's happening at the moment? No. No, it's not good because it affects every layer, every tier of New Zealand rugby, um, you know, from clubs all the way up. You know, and we have a look now, for example, the All Blacks never play NPC. And, that, and that's degraded the NPC. They never play, well, they play, obviously, in super rugby, but a lot of them... Um, you know, they, they start late in Super Rugby. And if those play, now that's my biggest concern is that the more the players go, it's not so much the All Blacks, um, but it's those players that are playing Super Rugby. And the more of those players that go, the, uh, the, the more it's going to affect Super Rugby. And I don't think we have a conveyor belt any longer to the extent that we used to in the past uh, because um, of a variety of reasons. But you know, it, it is a concern. When we started Super Rugby back in 1995, 96, and I was the, the very beginning of all of that, we actually used to have conversations about how could we have not affect club rugby mm. as much with Super Rugby. Um, and, of course, that changed. They went to 18 teams. They went to, you know, playing over an extended period of time. So club rugby completely got... Um, washed away by super rugby and that's pretty much happened with the npc now the npc for example in australia the npc 
they're very envious of it because what it does is it brings the players up through another level. And if, it, if all these players are going to be going, that is the area. And there's one other thing too that I'd like to mention, and that is the drain of coaches. The number of coaches coaching overseas um, who could actually be in the all-black all coaching frame, you know, in future years uh, is, is massive. And, and you can't lose all those good coaches. I mean, the last, you know, Rays has just been appointed and I've, and I've always thought that was a good idea to appoint him. But outside of that, you only had um, Jamie Joseph was the only other applicant. Mm. All the others are overseas or they didn't want to coach for whatever reason, the All Blacks. So, you know, the question is, um, you know, if Razor and Jamie Joseph weren't in the front, where are the other coaches coming through in New Zealand? They're all overseas, a lot of these good young coaches. And, they, and they're going over there because they don't really see, you know, they can get a lot more money over there. Just the same as the players. I'm sure uh, that, you know, players are going to Japan uh, for the money. And it's a great experience, but, but it, the money that they're offering will be the major attraction. How do we keep the coaches in New Zealand, given that we've got an all-black coach and his assistants and we've got five super teams um, the, the, and all of the NPC teams and um, there's, there's coaches all around the world, as you say, New Zealanders, that would be amazing back at NPC level. Is it, is it finances? We just haven't got the money to, to afford to keep them here? Yep, absolutely. That's what professional sport is all about. It's about money. It's really not about anything else, you know. And when players leave, and you've just seen Suali um, go from, you know, only having been in the NRL for two years, signing with Rugby Australia for $4.8 million. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's money. It's just money. It's got nothing to do with, um, you know, the love of the game, no matter what they might say. And you don't blame them because it's a professional sport. Nobody knows how long their career is likely to be. So, you know, they've got to go for the money. And the money is big in Europe and it's big in Japan. Uh, and, um, you know, if it, if it comes to an all-out fight, then we're not going to do very well. The, the, the great thing still about New Zealand is the black jersey. You know, so many kids want to be able to pull that on. And, you know, and when they get it, you know, they most likely sleep in it the very first night they get awarded their, their black jersey. I don't know how long um, that is, that, that's, that's able to last in this new world of consumerism. your local sports update thanks to Trident Homes designed for living built for life. The tactics as I mentioned are now top of the ANZ Premiership table having won the last three consecutive matches. They play the Stars tomorrow in a top of the table clash. Uh, Canterbury MPC coach Marty Burke has been appointed assistant coach of the New Zealand under 20s heading to South Africa in June and July. And unfortunately, in other rugby news, it's been confirmed Sevu Reese is out for the rest of 2023 with an ACL injury. He suffered that earlier in the season against the Blues. It not only rules him out of Super Rugby with the Crusaders, but the Rugby World Cup too. Ethan Blackhead is also confirmed out for six weeks, but if there's good news and a bit of a silver lining that the Crusaders need, it's that a raft of players are due back after the bye week, so not long to go now.
Stevie Reese, what's the? Do you know if he's gone for the year or if we'll see him again? Yeah, unfortunately, Sivu's out for the whole of the 2024 season. It's, uh, it's a hard one, you know, it's a, for him and, and the whole club. He's so important to us and we really feel for him. As an as a, like, ACL. ACL. And Ethan Blackadder, you said you were indicated potentially two or three weeks on Friday after the game. Any word there? Six weeks. It's a good, it's a good calf tear, yeah. Uh, so, again, we say this every week, but it just, it just keeps on coming. <laughs> Yeah, it does. Um, you, 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 it's part of playing rugby, and it's a part of um, you know being an athlete. Um, you, you like it a little bit more spread out, or not happen at all. But it's just a part of it. And you know, guys have taken that, that spot. You you back them and you trust them. And Dom's a prime example. You know, coming in and doing a great job at, at lock. He's really patient. Uh, you know, with Sam being out, so. That's the exciting part of it, but you know you just got to get around the guys that have had injuries, and we make a big deal around it, and you know, make sure that we support them all the way. It's tough. Here's what Scott Robertson had to say to media earlier this week on those injuries. Right, time for some cricket chat with new black cap Chad Bowes, who adds to the long list of Cantabs to don the black jersey and silver fern. He made his debut in Auckland in the first one day against Sri Lanka just over a week ago now, which feels like a lifetime. Then he came back home for game two, which was unfortunately washed out with rain. But he couldn't get out of media duties. I caught up with him earlier this week. Well, firstly, how are you feeling now that you've you know, been in the environment for a week or so? How's everything going for you? Yeah, feeling pretty settled now. Um, it was obviously a very exciting time for me and my family, um, but nice to get the first one underway in Auckland. Obviously a very special day for, for all of us involved, so nice to get in the park, get going, and um, excited to be back in Christchurch now. Have you had time to reflect on that one game already? And I guess what does it mean to you to finally you know, crack it and make your dreams come true, I suppose? Yep, I have reflected. It probably will take a bit more time to absorb properly. Um, but as I said, really special time for me and my family. It's been a it's been a journey to get to this point. So, you know, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears um, along the way, and just really proud to have gotten to where I am. And and hopefully, it's not uh, not the end of the road yet. Is it helpful as well, I guess, for you having so many familiar faces around you with such a strong Canterbury contingent? Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of familiar faces, so I felt pretty comfortable getting into the environment and um, yeah, they've all been great to me. I felt at home, so having those faces and Steady obviously was my, my Canterbury coach when I first moved over, so there's a couple of full circles going on there, which is very cool. Has there been a time in your career, Chad, where you thought this may not happen? Yep. Um, not for the first half of my career, but certainly towards the back half, um, you know, naturally you, you're getting a bit older and you're seeing the young guys coming through. Um, so there has been some doubt in the last few years whether or not this would actually happen. Um, those are obviously tough moments to, to go through personally. Um, but yeah, I've just taken one step at a time and it's led me to where I always wanted to be. Is there a sense of, you, you talked about, about this briefly before, but a sense of relief now you've sort of ripped the f- band-aid off the first game and you can move forward? Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty relaxed, to be honest, um, leading up to the first game, but always nice to get in the park, um, hit a couple of balls in the middle and uh, feel more settled and feel part of the group now. How much of an incentive is it, you know, you come into the team at a time where, you know, there's a World Cup only six months away, you've got this series here, and then obviously you're off to Pakistan. Yeah, very exciting. Obviously, those opportunities are there. So the reality is um, there's potential changes uh, in the World Cup year. So, you know, that that is the reality. Um, 
for me, I'm just here to embrace the moment and to represent my country proudly. If that leads to performances and future selections, then so be it. Um, but that's not, that's not my focus, but the reality is that there's a lot up for grabs for this whole group. What's it like to see, you know, someone like Henry Shipley, someone you've played a lot of cricket with, um, you know, make the most of those opportunities? Yeah, that's exciting. And we, we've seen that for Canterbury over the years, so it was great to see him uh, pull that off on, on uh, Saturday night. Um, very excited and happy for him and his family and uh, special for me to be involved with him. Does it give you confidence going on sort of, you know, a, a ground you know well, you've had a lot of success at, does it make that a little bit easier to go out and, and have confidence that you can put your full talents on display? Yeah, it certainly feels comfortable being being at Hagley. Um, it is my home, it's my office, so, um, yeah, no, sun's out in Christchurch, hopefully it, it stays out for a bit longer. Um, but always exciting to come to Hagley and, and put in a good show, hopefully. Chad, was this anything sort of tangible you took from that, that elevation up, like comparatively to domestic cricket? We went, oh, this is a bit more, this is the big show here. Uh, I think, to be honest, it's more so around the actual cricket. Um, you know, the external variables of, of the crowd and the media and, and what it means to actually represent your country, those things are elevated and more intense. The cricket itself, uh, obviously everyone's incredibly skillful, um, but we have a lot of skillful players in domestic cricket in New Zealand, so um, I think it's shown over the years that domestic players getting elevated to the Black Caps have performed um, at the international stage, and so hopefully you know, I can follow suit um, and fit in there. And just on the domestic game, your Canterbury lads are going to always work well as an aggressor at the top of the innings. Canterbury, does have, anything have to change with your game plan, obviously with some, someone like Finn Allen who plays in a similar manner? Uh, no, it doesn't change for me, and that's been the, the message from Steady um, and the boys around me uh, to, to not have to change the wheel, as it were, uh, to just trust what I have been doing for Canterbury. It's, it's worked so far, and if I, if I stick with it and trust it for a long period, then over time it, it should be good enough too. And batting with Finn, you know, if we, if we do come off together, it should be pretty exciting, so you know, who knows what the future holds. Um, Chad, just one from me, you can answer it down this way, but... Um, your family um, made it over from South Africa to see you make your debut. It was a bit of a flight delay, but they did make it in time. Obviously, haven't seen them in three years. Can you tell me a little, us a little bit about what it was like to have them there for that moment? Yeah, that was very special. Um, it's probably been all over social media, I think. that uh, It was the first time I've seen my dad in, in three years, that moment. Um, so that was surreal and, and special and just a, a moment in time that probably will never come again. So um, incredibly special. Um, it actually settled the nerves. It actually made me feel more comfortable. I felt like I was at home. Um, and obviously my, my, my wife being there and my, my little baby daughter um, made it very, very sweet. You know, my parents were, were the reason why my first half of my career could happen. And, and my wife, Chloe, is, is the reason why the second half has gone the way it has. Um, so that was special for all of us. When they come down the crosshairs, will they be here for tomorrow? Yep, they are. They, they're staying at home, so they, the grandparents are on duty. <laughs> so it gives Chloe and I a bit of a reprieve. Were your family planning on being in New Zealand anyway? Or, did, or were they, like, how did that all yep. work? Is it just coincidence? Oh, I think it was written in the stars, to be honest, because they booked their flights four months ago, um, not expecting any of this to happen. Um, so mum was already here for a week and a half, and dad moved his flight slightly earlier. Um, and got in midnight before the game in Auckland. So um, they were always going to be here over this time, and it was just a, a very cool occasion. The Black Caps' second ODI against Sri Lanka was washed out. Sad.
Uh, Canterbury lost, or as I like to put it, won silver in the Ford Trophy against the Central Stags. That was in the final earlier this week. And New Zealand A will be in action this weekend at Burt Sutcliffe Oval in Lincoln against Australia. That's your local sports update. Thanks to Trident Homes, proud supporters of the Trident Home Tactics. Check out their modern home plans at tridenthomes.nz. to what's going on in Canterbury. Saturday the 1st of April and here's what else is on the cards. No April Fool's jokes I promise. Uh, The Bottle Lake Open is on at Bottle Lake Forest all weekend. That's a disc golf competition. The Hydrolink Sprint Car War of the Wings is on at Ruapuna Speedway if you're into spectacular racing and high octane action at least that's how they sold it to me Um, The Christchurch Food Show's on at Christchurch Arena where you can try and buy hundreds of the best local and international food and beverages watch our top celebrity chefs in the cooking theatre and get all the tips and recipes one shall need. Tickets are priced $15 to $25 The Canterbury Junior Chess Sunday Series is on at the Canterbury Chess Club tomorrow for school age juniors that was a mouthful Chess, if you're into that I've never been able to work it out personally uh, Songs Through the Years is on at All Souls in Maryvale from 3 to 4 today it's an hour of acapella vocal music and it's a koha to attend with all funds going to the Cyclone Relief and lastly but not least a learn to roll, learn to roller skate rather is on tomorrow from 11 to 12 at the Hagley Netball Courts. It's the last chance to have a go before lessons wrap up for a wee while. If you don't have skates, you can hire them for five bucks. How good! Um, and for anyone else listening from around the country, they might be wondering roller skating. Like it's a big thing here. Everyone's got their roller skates on at Hagley. Like if you don't have them, you're the odd one out. They're like the new lime scooters. Anyway, that's what's going on in Canterbury. Um, as I've always said, if you want to know what's going on and you want to find something different, something edgy, something for everyone. Uh, head to the City Council's website, What's On, type in your date, Bob's your uncle. Fly away on my Jordan Offit here filling in for Frankie Mackay on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Now surfs up this weekend team with the return of the single Finn Mingle and Sumner. Here to tell us more is the founder and director Ambrose McNeil. Morning Ambrose, firstly just tell us about the single Finn Mingle. Good morning Jordan. Yeah the single Finn Mingle is New Zealand's premier surf festival. It's a longboard surfing competition so the surfers ride surfboards that are over nine feet in length. And it's quite a classic 1960s-focused style of surfing. It's really beautiful and entertaining to watch. But it's a lot more than that. We have a surf competition, and yes, there's big prize money up for grabs. There's surfers travelling all around the world to uh, compete at Sumner. But it's also a cultural festival, and that's almost more important than the surfing. We have amazing concerts. We've got a film festival. We have art shows. And it's about bringing people together and just enjoying surf culture as a whole. And we'll get to some more of that shortly, but how did this all come about? Well, it started about nine years ago in 2015, and I myself had been travelling New Zealand competing at various surfing events, and I always had such a good time going to those events, 
meeting people, the, the after parties, staying on friends' couches and the like. And uh, a few of the events fell away and there was a little bit of a hole there. There wasn't many events in the South Island and I was seeing some really great events happening overseas. And I didn't quite have the money to, to rustle up a trip to, to Noosa at the time. So I thought, why not just do one at home and, and start bringing the world to Sumner? So essentially, that was it. We just designed a weekend, me and some friends, that we thought would be the weekend that we wanted to, to have, a, a perfect weekend of surfing, of film, of music, and, um, and great times. And then started inviting everyone to, to come and join us. And then it's sort of just taken off from there and year on year you tend to to get even bigger names coming back. I guess what is it, do you think, that makes it such an epic event? Uh, it's something, there's something in the air, Jordan, that's a bit special about the single flamingo. It, it definitely has created its own magic. And it, it starts with the community in Sumner. We have a really beautiful, tight-knit community here in and out of the water. So the businesses all get on board and we have an amazing team of volunteers that come in to help us. And I think that is such a special feeling for everyone that travels to the event each year, to, to be in a tight-knit, tight-knit community and to really feel a part of that. And so pretty quickly, word spreads through the surfing world. We've got some amazing videos and media that come out each year. And I think it's just got bigger and bigger um, every year for, from that. Exactly. And now, obviously, no COVID as well, so you can have the internationals in action. Who are some of the big names and where are they from that people should look out for? Yeah, we've got a huge number of internationals that have travelled far and wide, and we're over the moon this year. We've got surfers coming from Brazil, um, a fellow by the name of Augusto Alinto, and he has just won a world qualifying uh, longboard event in Australia, so he's in pretty hot form. He'll be one to watch out for. Um, we've also got last year's defending single-fin champ, Mason Schremer of Hawaii. She also just won that same qualifying event in Noosa, so not only defending uh, her mingle title, but hot off, off a world qualifying win too. There's some really talented American surfers coming from California. A woman by the name of Erin Ashley has been one of my favourite surfers to watch online for, for a number of years. Um, Malay Sally is coming California also. We've got some really good Australians coming from Byron Bay, Kai Alice Flint. We've got Japanese surfers joining us this year, woman Natsumi Tioka. She competes on the World Longboarding Tour each year, so really excited to have her in Sumner. So yeah, there's, there's a real range of world-class talent that's going to be coming surf our little old local break in Sumner, which is um, pretty, pretty special to, to be honest. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Like, how does it feel for you knowing that you're attracting some of these big names from all over the world who want to come, as you say, to little old Sumner? Yeah, it, it's phenomenal. Like, when it started, it really was just me and a group of friends and doing what we wanted to do. We weren't too worried if, if it was going to take off as it has. But I think because we knew how to have such a good time and... Um, and the community that I spoke of is so special, uh, that, that word spread. And, yeah, it is. It's, it's amazing. I do feel so proud now that these surfers go to such big efforts to get down here to the bottom of the world. And they think they're travelling with surfboards that are over nine feet. So you can imagine the journeys that they go on to get on and off trains and buses and aeroplanes. We've had a lot of the surfers arriving and their surfboards haven't, so they're trying to talk to freight companies and the like at the moment, or they're just having to borrow boards when they get here. So 
it's a real effort and a journey that these surfers from around the world make to, to come down here. And it does feel pretty special that they've gone to so much trouble to be here. Yeah, hell of a logistical effort. And I guess as well, on the other hand, how special is it for the local talent, you know, the locals to be able to compete at home in an event like this? Because got, we've got some good ones here in Christchurch as well, some good surfers, that is. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that is also really satisfying to see the calibre of longboarding that's developed over the last nine years locally since the single fin mingle's been going. Um, we've got a young talent by the name of Jack Tyro. He's 16 years old. He's already won a national longboard title. He competed for the first time at, at Noosa this year at the world qualifying event and did really respectively. And I think he was something like, you know, he, he was growing up around the, the mingle. He was eight or nine when he started surfing. So he's been exposed to that year after year, that level of surfing, and it's just showing so much now. We've got a really strong women's field and some really strong um, New Zealand women are competing also so yeah immensely proud to see that talent that's coming in, in New Zealand and I always knew that we did have a hot bit of longboard talent in the country so it is really nice to give that a stage uh, on, on the world longboard calendar so yeah, I've actually done quite a few stories now with Jack um, for the news. He's such a good sort. I love his dad as well. He's also equally as cool taking him over the hill to Taylor's mistake um, each night after school. But we sort of touched on at the top. It's not just about surfing, and I guess that's something you'll want to hammer home too. So what else is happening off the water that other people can get involved with? If surfing's not quite their thing. Yeah, look, there, there is, I think, something for everyone. Um, we say whether you're the saltiest sea dog or never seen the sea, come mingle. Um, we've got an f- amazing film festival happening at Sumner Surf Lifesaving Club. We're erecting a, a huge screen and we're going to be playing s- some amazing surf m- movies right next to the sea in Sumner, which is going to be pretty special. We've got an art show happening at Lestrange Gallery in Sumner and showing off local talent this year, which is going to be really cool. And then we've got some awesome musical events happening. There'll be live music happening down on Sumner Esplanade from one till three each day. We've got some really talented jazz musicians coming. And we've got a bunch of gigs happening through the local venues. And then we've got a huge street party, the Single Fin Mingle Street Party presented by Corona that happens. It's going to be an incredible event. I think we're expecting over a thousand people to make it out. And, uh, going to be the biggest party I think that's ever happened in Sumner so yeah I think something for everyone and we hope hope to see a lot of faces coming out and joining us. Well it sounds like Sumner's the place to be this weekend Um, can't wait looking forward to it all the very best and we'll see you out there. Awesome thanks so much Jordan look forward to it. panel this week we're bringing you an extra interview with top Kiwi sprinter Canterbury's very own Tian Welpton and this segment's proudly sponsored by Malray Electric putting the spark into Canterbury rugby. Morning Tian, how are you? Good morning guys, I'm pretty good. And you've just been all over the show, just back from Australia, what, what's, how have things been going for you and t- talk me through your adventures? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I just got back from Brisbane where I ran at the, the Brisbane Track Classic. Uh, me and Eddie managing to take out two of the three podiums over there. 
uh, with him managing to beat Rowan coming first, and then I managed to come third and take some pretty good scalps. So I think pretty happy with that. Yeah. Uh, with the New Zealand season basically all but wrapped up, how are you feeling about how the summer went? I'm pretty happy with how my summer went. Um, I set out a goal for myself this season to and perform where it matters, and that's certainly something I think I've, I've done fairly well this season. Uh, the domestic season now, of course, is finished up and wrapped up for us, so we're going to go straight into sort of a two-month building phase, and then hopefully I'm hoping to head over to Europe and uh, continue my season there. What does that building phase look like, Tian? What does that, you know, that couple of months, what is your training looking like? Yeah, so that for us will be going back to basics and then, you know, trying to build some more strength and trying to build some more speed, uh, put in some good foundation work uh, that we haven't been able to do the past few months just uh, as I've been travelling up and down to compete. In a sport like sprinting, with such short, sharp distances like the 100 metres, how do you keep getting faster and find those one percenters? Oh, you've just got to keep putting in the work, really. It's, it's meticulous hard work and recovery, and uh, sometimes the results don't even show up very quickly, but they do compound over time, so you've just got to keep going. We saw as well, um, Eddie said something about trying out some new shoes. Yes, yeah, he was in the um, in his first pair of, I think, uh, what people like to call super spikes, shoes with a carbon fiber plate in them. Have you tried anything like that? Yes, yeah, most most um, most of the runners will be using shoes like that. I think because Eddie, because he was with Adidas for quite a while, uh, and he hadn't had their new spikes, so he was running in their old spikes for ages. But not being with them anymore, he was free to run whatever he chose chose to, and uh, he got himself, I think, a pair of the uh, carbon fiber New Balance shoes, and they clearly seem to work pretty well for him. Wow, how good. Um, obviously news earlier this week as well that Eddie is looking to actually, it wasn't his last race, he's hoping world champs will be. I guess what do you make that, make of that? And also how important is having someone like Eddie around for you in terms of just having that competition? Oh, it's, it's, it's very important. You know, having, having people around, people like that around you is what really sort of drives you and, and, and gets you to the places you need to be, you know. Someone like that motivates you to train harder and work harder, and then when you're racing against them, you're always guaranteed to run a bit faster. So uh, it's fantastic to have another high-performance sprinter because I think together you tend to grow and, and, and reach new heights. So I definitely do hope I will be seeing him at World Champs. Hopefully I'll be there as well. Uh, but um, no, I'm pretty happy to see him deciding to, to run another race. He finished off this last one in such fantastic form. I think if he had a bit of a better wind, he could have definitely smashed the New Zealand record in that run. So... Definitely would love to see him go at it one more time. Well, we've talked about this before. Like, how important is it just to, you know, solidify? How important is it for you to go overseas and be racing, you know, against top quality athletes, more sprinters, and on, I guess, world class tracks? Well, yeah, you know, that's 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 really where you sort of gain that vital experience um, running in those big races on those big tracks, that big meets. Uh, is where you really sort of do a lot of your growth. And, you know, I think back to the likes of, of, of Zoe and Eddie even, and, and, and they've been, you know, uh, Eddie's been to two world champs, so Zoe now, and they've done their fair share of sort of overseas meet, and, you know, now they're sort of coming into their prime after having done that for a couple of years. So it's important for me to get started, you know, get over to Europe, get that experience under the belt, and then hopefully in a, a couple of years I can be where they are now.
How does it feel to be peaking at a time where New Zealand has some incredible sprinters? You know, you've got Rosie, Zoe, Eddie, yourself. Like, there, there is a strong group here in New Zealand now. Yes, yeah, you know, I've always uh, heard the likes that New Zealand's a distance and a throws country, but I think currently uh, the sprints are one of the top events, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. I think if that means our sprinters are going to get some more support and it's, you know, the, the, the public can get excited about that, then it's fantastic. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm peaking just yet. I reckon I've still got a lot left in the tank. I've, I've just got to keep training hard and keep going at it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I realised that might have been a bit premature after I said it. I'm banking on you to be in Paris, Tian. I need you there, okay? Um, but the other of thing course. as well is you, you missed out on what the big international meet a couple of weeks ago, Sir Graham Douglas, with COVID, was it? And I guess how did you recover from that? Yes, yeah. So I was, I was pretty flat on the bed for about two weeks uh, with COVID. I'd managed to dodge it until this year, so... I uh, thought I was immune, but I guess not. But, uh, yeah, I sort of came back, was testing negative for about a week and then decided to head over to Brisbane anyway. Uh, didn't want to risk getting long COVID uh, because that would probably ruin training and the build-up for Europe. But I seem to be fine mostly. However, I will say it's definitely affected uh, recovery and training a little bit in the sense that, uh, you know, that this I, I sort of track my strain and my recovery on my, my whoop band. It's a little wristband that tracks your heart rate and things and I can see that you know doing the same session now that I did before COVID ends up you know giving me a higher strain and my recovery tends to be a bit lower it's a bit harder to get high recovery so there's definitely still some some healing that needs to be done there you know I can still feel a bit lighter breath sometimes and I can feel my heartbeat going but luckily for me I only have to run 100 meters so the computing is actually the easy part it's the training that's hard. Gosh, you poor thing. Uh, how I guess how gutting was it as well to miss that final big me? You would have been all primed, ready to go, and then COVID knocked on the door. Yes, yeah, I was pretty gutted to miss that one. So again, Douglas is one of my favourite meets of the year, and it certainly looked like there were some blisteringly quick times and, and that the conditions are good for 100 metres. Uh, and it would have been good to race against Jake as well. Um, um, I did see he clocked a 10.20, so who knows? Maybe if I was there, I could have nipped under my PB, gone something quicker than 10.18, but... Uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, so there's no, there's no point in speculating. I've just got to look forward into the future now, and hopefully in Europe uh, I'll get some good conditions and I'll be able to snatch my PB over there. Exactly. I was just about to say that. Oh, well, you can just do it overseas now. Tian, thank you so much for your time, as always. Good luck with the recovery um, and the next training block, and we'll catch up before you head overseas. Of course. Fantastic. No worries. Thanks, Jordan.